This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10, 5, victory! Welcome back to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Bell, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, your radio flagship home for the Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus, co-host of the G-Bag Nation, Monday through Friday, 2 to 7 p.m. Central. Uh, Brian, we finally got, after spending, you know, basically six weeks over a period of time, us trying to figure out who is going to end up on this roster. We got the the first, not the final, the first 53-man roster, and I think we'll have a better sense of some of the procedural moves that'll be made over the next uh, you know day or two. Uh, by the time people hear this on Wednesday morning, uh, we'll, we'll be getting closer to some of those things becoming official. But just some of your general takeaways, I guess, or, or your biggest thoughts coming out of the roster decisions. Went long at wide receiver, which we kind of thought was a little bit of a mess. I know the last time that you and I met, I talked about Houston and not potentially being on this team with all the work that he had. And I felt like that for all that he did or for all the opportunities he had, he was just okay at it. And I, I, I really expected a lot more from him. And I was wondering if the team thought the same thing with all the opportunities he got, you know, did he show up? And Jerry Jones talked about it uh, on the fan this morning about route running and knowing where to be and all that. And that's something you've talked to us about the whole time when it comes to Houston's game and, and how he can play. Um, you know, to me, I was thinking, you know, they're going to move on. There were other spots that maybe they were going to need to keep guys at, but, uh, you know, he did enough to at least right now be on this football team. 
But man, I was I was thinking, give me a little more. Give me more with the opportunities you're getting. Um, you know, and they but they they felt differently about that and didn't want to expose him to uh, to the waivers this cut. So, you know, good for them on that. Um, I felt like they were going to keep the four running backs. They did keep three. And moving on from Malik Davis, I think that was probably a pretty tough um, tough decision for them. I personally talked to two NFL teams that know I cover this team pretty extensively, and they were asking me what I thought about Malik Davis. And I told both teams I thought, me personally, I would have put him on my 53-man roster. But then again, I would have, you know, would have also kept four backs. Um, so, you know, that, that in itself, I think was a little surprising to me. Uh, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with, with these corners and these safeties and, and, uh, and how we get to that, uh, uh, if that is going to be the final number that they're going to keep, uh, uh, keep right now. They went incredibly heavy along the defensive line. We talked about this whole time that their deepest position was defensive line. And how, you know, man, they're, they're probably going to have to cut two, maybe three NFL players, guys that will probably end up on NFL rosters this year. In the end, they end up just trimming one of them. They, they let Carlos Watkins go, yeah. and they run 11 deep on the defensive line. Do you think that just came down to it was too difficult a decision for them to say, look, we, we, we can't walk away from any of these guys right now. So whatever procedural hoops we have to jump through, to make sure that we reserve these guys, we've got to do it. It's tough. It's tough to put offense and defensive linemen on the street because you know you're not going to get them back. That's it. It's. Uh, I think with Basham, it was that was a, a guy that played his way on this team uh, with the practices he had uh, against the Broncos and the Chargers and some of the stuff in the game. If you read articles that were written by various cowboy websites, uh, blogging the boys and you know, the, the stuff those those guys that cover, they were talking about Basham was a guy that could have very well been claimed if you put him out there uh, for people to uh, to get. And so, you know, I it's funny. I mean, with Basham. Again, I, I have to check. Is is am I wrong about that, Bobby? Is vested veteran? Is he a vested veteran? I think he's played in this league. Uh, yeah, he he qualifies as a vested veteran. Okay, uh, so, so they they must just you not are have. not going to get him back. And you know, the more I mean, yeah, the waivers it used to be with the waivers. You know, everybody went through the waivers and stuff. But with him, the vested veteran, you know, he's likely going to go somewhere else. He's going to you know, you put him on the street. He's going to say, well, maybe I just you know, take another chance uh, at another place. But there were people that were talking about him, you know, being potentially a, a guy, but he played his way on. Um, Ridgeway, you know, the defensive tackle, and I had people saying, are they really going to carry all these one techniques? You know, and Ridgeway was a guy that, if you watch his college tape, I think it's far better than what he showed at the NFL level here. I know you and I have gone through some, scenarios where they love his leadership they love the personality you know there's a lot of things to like about him but he played pretty just ordinary ordinarily this uh this summer 
and I didn't see the the power and the get off and all those things. So, yeah, that's maybe a little bit about protecting the draft right there. They have to be happy about what they saw from Tristan Hill. Yeah. And the fact that he was able to to uh, to get himself right and be able to put together enough practices and game preseason game work to where he can make this football team. Yeah, I think that when we looked at the defensive line heading into camp, I think we both thought two of the bubble guys who may be trying to play outside in were Basham and Hill. And I think there's a case to be made that not including Micah, who's coming off as an edge rusher, just the pure defensive lineman. I think there's a case to be made that Hill and Basham may have been the two best defensive linemen in terms of what we saw from them at camp. And ultimately, you know, that that motivation there really got them over the hump. Jerry Jones talking to 105 through the fan this morning when we said, who's a player that stood out? The very first one was Tristan Hill. I had yeah. somebody at the organization tell me they thought Tristan Hill had the best camp of anybody on the defensive line. So rising to the occasion, I think that's something that they really valued here. Tristan had one foot in the parking lot. Yeah. He really did. He was on his way out of here. Uh, no real sponsor. But what we've learned is that that this defensive staff, especially the defensive line coaches, have done a tremendous job. If you look at a guy like Dorrance Armstrong and how he's progressed from you know last year to this year, you know you didn't see it in the preseasons and stuff, but the practices you watched that you know he was a guy that was really sound technique, you know, right level when it came to rushing the passer and things like that. When you watched him in the drills and things, so. You know, good job of those guys. And that had to be a tough decision for him. But no, I've been in that chair before. It is hard. If they would have had more offensive linemen that would have been, you know, competitive and could have made this team, we could have seen one or two more offensive linemen be on this team. Uh, It just didn't. It just wasn't the case because, again, you don't put those offensive and defensive linemen on that that waiver wire to to be potentially claimed. Uh, the Cowboys, as it stands now, have one quarterback on the roster. It's just Dak Prescott. Cooper Rush, who's a vested veteran, he was released. The The thinking there is that he will be returning, will be signing back uh, once they're able to make their procedural moves. But they also waived Will Greer. He has to pass through waivers. The idea is that he's going to practice squad, which means Cooper Rush, ultimately, it sounds like, wins that quarterback two competition. I, I don't know that any of us are surprised. I think you and I both, thought that this was all you know by the time things ended it was like Will Greer probably didn't do enough for them to take hold of it but I really really wish and and I don't want to make it sound like they're being cowardly or anything but I really wish they would have had the stones to just say let's roll with Will Greer That's what the- hurt yeah what hurt Will Greer was the fact he got hurt and he didn't play in the Denver game that yeah. was the opportunity that he had if given if healthy enough to play that would have been the time to get ahead of Cooper Rush. And he didn't get to participate in those practices. Oh, the, excuse me, the one practice and then the game against the Broncos because he just wasn't able to do enough. They told us, you know, through whispers that uh, he was going to have to beat, Will Greer was going to have to beat Cooper Rush out. And I don't think you could say that he did that uh that in fact are you surprised at all when we look at the way the 53 is made up 
I think you and I and everybody else were projecting five linebackers that yeah. they were have to, you know, they, they were going to have to probably run light at linebacker. Are you surprised they may have sacrificed in some other areas in order to carry both Devin Harper and Luke Gifford? That, I think, came down to a, a very difficult decision, and I bet you that Bones Fossil was the one that made the final call on that. You know, he I, I felt like that Gifford was going to be the guy because of the special teams and the familiarity and all that. Harper would have been a hard guy to put out there just because, again, the way that he runs, the way he chases the ball – they might have thought of him in a more inflated way, if that makes sense, that maybe they like him a little bit more because I think they're betting on the promise there because I've seen him run and make plays and be involved, but I've also seen Luke Gifford run and make plays too. And so that was one of those that they probably felt like that they couldn't move on from him. And, uh, and you know, and that's good if they – but. We're not out of the woods yet uh, as far as these rosters go. When If there's somebody there that they think is better, there's some guys right now that are like, whew, made the team. And then they turn around and they start firing claims you know, at, these, uh, at the waiver wire. And then all of a sudden you find out real fast that you're the 52nd player or 53rd player and they move on from you. Do you think Gifford and or – Harper, do you think it's Gifford or Harper that is probably that 53rd player if they claim somebody? I think so. I, I do think so. I don't think there's anybody particularly on the defensive line that they want to release. Um, I'm looking at the secondary. I think they're pretty set on that, that you know, the, with the guys they have. So I don't know if they really, really want to release anybody there. So my gut feeling is those are probably the final two guys. Uh, with I, Well, I take that back. I think about with Ridgeway. Do they want to expose him? It will come down, do you want to keep one of these linebackers, uh, you know, or do you want to uh, put Ridgeway out there? I, I think those are the two spots you're going to kind of keep an eye on. Boy, I'd have, I would have a hard time justifying keeping exposing a guy like Ridgeway might be one of these wide receivers though too I I, I just I'd I'd have a tough time exposing Ridgeway in favor of a guy like Gifford who I feel like four years into it well you know who Gifford is oh yeah exactly we know what that player is there's at least some some potential and some some excitement with what Ridgeway could be but I, I I do agree with you I think that would be part of the conversation and that's just that's a frustrating truth for me uh few undrafted free agents make this roster technically Cavante Turpin but I mean he's been a guy who's been out of college for a couple years now that's um, on the pro department right there yeah absolutely. That one down no here. no Malik Davis obviously as we just mentioned Rico Dowdle wins that job at running back uh but a few undrafted free agents who end up making this team you get uh Marquise Bell in here um Peyton Hendershot and Dennis Houston we already mentioned Houston I know uh, you had to be given a, a, a small fist pump uh, when you saw Peyton Hendershot on the roster. I know that's one of your guys now. It is. And you and I had this discussion, you know, about McEwen and things. McEwen is good on a, on a group where it's Sprinkle and others that are competing. He's going to be better. 
The thing for McEwen, he's not going to be better than Hendershot. He didn't play better than Hendershot, and he didn't. And Ferguson was not going to go anywhere. So I, it, I think a lot of it was about availability. You know, it was about you know they they said okay last year McEwen, hey, really liked him. Maybe a guy that can develop. But wait a minute, we just we got a guy in Hendershot who, you know led Indiana in receptions and all that. And, you know, was a big, big part of what they were doing there with the Hoosiers. And so, you know, that to me, watching him play, that's a no brainer between those two. I I never felt like they were going to keep four tight ends. I never did. You are listening to the love of the star podcast. The love of the star, of course, is an odyssey podcast. You can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Brian, we have referenced here a couple times already that Jerry Jones, Dallas Cowboys owner and general manager, was on uh, 105.3 The Fan, uh, the flagship home of the Cowboys, and uh, where you and I both call our radio home. And uh, it was uh, myself and Sean Sharif, uh, the morning show host there at the station. You guys did a good job with him. Sean is the – I've said it before over Nervous? and over again. I, I don't, no, not at all. I've done, I've done it before. Um, but I, I also felt really good knowing I was sitting there with Sean because – I've said it before. I don't think there's anybody better in the market, maybe in the country, doing a big-time sports interview than Sean Sharif. He's excellent at it. And so it's nice to know that I'm sitting there across from him and, and he can, you know, uh, knows exactly. He can carry the ball. He's, yeah. he's been there for 11 years. He knows how to handle Jerry. He's the straw that stirs the drink. You know, yeah. he's our geek there. Uh, no, but it was it was good. We got the chance to ask him a few questions, and there were three clips that I wanted to play out of this interview uh, from Tuesday. The first one uh, – Sean asks Jerry basically flat out is the expectation uh, that Tyler Smith is now your starting left tackle. Uh, I think that's safe to say uh, we've got to get him out of here and get him practiced here over the next couple of weeks uh, relative to any issue he had with a little high ankle, but we don't, we don't think that's uh, serious enough to limit his preparation. Uh, now what is the case is he hasn't been there at left tackle and he uh, is a rookie. But he's a first-round pick, and he deserved to be a first-round pick in my mind. And so uh, we knew uh, we just didn't want it to come any earlier than it needed. But uh, uh, we knew we had to get ready to uh, replace our left tackle, and he was the pick. So, Jerry, correct this thinking out loud that I'm about to do here. It looked like Tyler was not about to win the starting job over McGovern at left guard. And now he's going to play left tackle. That sounds scary. Help me out. Help me out with that yeah. fear 
uh, in terms of well, backup left guard to starting left tackle? Well, that's not uh, 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 only – but really, uh, only the man up above knows whether or not he was going to win that spot or not. I would expect him to come in and play. I wouldn't expect a first-round pick to be uh, uh, basically not playing in his first year. That uh, flat-out, I think, answers two questions first. One, Tyler yeah. Smith starting at left tackle week one. That's done. Uh, the other aspect there is, I think, regardless of what Mike McCarthy said, regardless of what reps we saw, if Tyron Smith was healthy, week one, Tyler Smith was going to start at left guard. The man up above answered the question, I believe. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, think, I think when he says the man up above, he means himself sitting in that tower. He means, he means uh, the guy sitting in that chair. That's the man above the team. Uh, yeah. It, uh, I I never, ever believed that they weren't going to play Tyler Smith. I just never – I never had anybody in the organization say, well, you got to watch this McGovern guy, Brian. you got to watch him. Gotta, he's, he's getting better. you got to watch – Never had anybody. Now, I had people tell me that McGovern has improved and has, and that, that I believe because I did see that with my own eyes. Sure. But I never, ever, ever believed that Tyler Smith was not going to be somewhere on that offensive line. And I, I thought it was left, I thought it was left guard. But now Jerry's right. You know, they've drafted him to be this guy. There is no better option right now unless they try and trade for somebody in the league that is an established offensive tackle, but they drafted this kid to play left tackle. And what the question you have to ask yourself, and there'll be other podcasts down the line, that hopefully he plays well enough to where you never have to think about putting Tyron Smith back in there again. That's that's if if you want the best case scenario for the Cowboys, it would be that Tyler Smith is so good at left tackle that it does exactly what Dak Prescott did to Tony Romo. Never let him go back out on the field except for that one touchdown that he threw against Philadelphia. And then it was over. They moved on. So if yeah. you're if you're the front office, you love Tyron Smith and for him to come back from this injury, by the way. I think is a tall, tall order. Yeah. So um, your hope is that Tyler Smith can get this job done. Yeah, and and look, I know there's been a, a lot of people have said, well, man, they, they put themselves in a really tough position because they didn't address this. And I know the Cowboys have they pushed addressed back. addressed it. The Cowboys have pushed back and said, we absolutely addressed it. We took yeah. Tyler Smith in the first round. They did. And then you get folks who say, yeah, but he's so raw and you didn't intend for this to happen yet and things like that. I, I drew this parallel to, to Sean and I, Sean Sharif and I were talking on the air about this on Tuesday a little bit. And I said, here's how I think the Cowboys look at this from this perspective. And I'll, I'll ask it to you, Brian, as somebody who I know believes they addressed it. Uh, if they would have taken Kenyon Green at the 24th pick, would we have all considered that them addressing this? I think so. Yeah. yeah. If, if they had taken Trevor Penning at 24, would yeah. they consider that them addressing this? They had Tyler Smith above Trevor Penning and Kenyon Green. Sure. And so if we would have considered that addressing it, we have to believe their board and say, yeah, this is a guy that they believe can handle that job. No question. They, they, this is what makes this so interesting is, you know, and, and you even wonder where, where Tyron Smith's thoughts are right now, because 
he's probably looking at this thinking, wow, several years ago, the whole thing with Dak and Romo and all that, if this kid plays well, I, my career could be done. And, you know, there's people that will tell you that if Tyron Smith is uh, released, traded, he'll retire. He just, yeah. I mean, he's he's fine. I mean, he just doesn't, and this is going to be a tough rehab for him. And Jerry likes to talk about, and I don't know if you're going to play the clip. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But he's talking about Tyron Smith being back for the meat of the, the season, that, yeah. that push in December and the playoff push and all that. If Tyler Smith is playing well for you and the team is having success and you run Tyron Smith out there, man, that – I don't know. That's a tough one, especially if Tyler Smith is playing well enough and you believe he honestly is the future. They didn't draft Dak Prescott to be the replacement for Tony Romo. They drafted Tyler Smith to be the replacement for Tyron Smith. And like Jerry says – it just happened in week one, not week eight. Uh, hypothetically here for you, because I do agree. If he's playing, you know, uh, if he's playing, you know, Pro Bowl level for them at left tackle, they can't you go can't back. Can't replace him. You can't. Hell no, you can't. Would that changed for you at all. If by the if if let's say Tyron gets healthy by December, Tyler's playing great at left tackle, and you've got Connor McGovern really struggling. Would that change it for you at all? Would you then consider shifting? Tyler Smith inside the left guard and letting Tyler Tyron come back and take left tackle. If, if Tyler Smith is playing really, really well at left tackle, I am not moving him. He's he's my left tackle going forward. You know, if if Connor McGovern is struggling, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, you'll know. But yeah. that's uh, Forniak. You know, that that's your backup guy right now. Is who that is. So. I, you know, I mean, to me, it's more important that Tyler Smith continue to play at left tackle. You know, that that's the most important thing. That's what you want. Even if, okay, I answered, I asked this question on our, on our show. Mm-hmm. If the, if say he's playing well, I just said, well, yep. But the team is not doing well, but he's playing well. You put Tyron Smith in there at all? No. No. I don't. No. But see, people will say, okay, what if they're what if they're close to the playoffs and he's playing well? Still playing him? Are you still playing Tyron Smith? No, probably not. I'm not. See, or- I, I just I I think this is the time where you make the switch. If he's playing well enough where you know he might have a holding penalty once every three games and the run blocking's been good. Uh, the pass protection, for the most part, has been solid. That's your guy. Keep going. Don't look back on this. Tyron Smith, he was – hey, he, Tyron Smith did a great job for you. But you know what? You need to do what's best for your team going forward. And I know you want to move Tyler Smith over to play guard. Maybe they would do that. Me personally, I wouldn't do that. Jerry Jones was asked – you mentioned the run blocking aspect there – was asked about – uh, I, I know your favorite buzzword, identity, the offensive identity. I'll use a different word here. Uh, well, let's say Jerry was asked about the team's offensive philosophy heading into 2022, and here's what Jerry had to say. With our plan and our personnel, then uh, we uh, hope to be able to run that football more than we ran it, uh, let's say, in the last few years. And uh, Zeke will be critical to that. 
but we'll also need to be able to run block. We should be able to run block. Run block is uh, uh, more of a given than being able to protect if you're dealing with inexperienced linemen. And so uh, we should be able to run block. Uh, as to what we do offensively, uh, uh, we'll play that game by game as far as uh, 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 how quick we get the ball out or whether or not we're in the play action. But still, we've got the guys, we have the players that can uh, really play well in a play action uh, uh, kind of out, ball out quick offense for sure. So there reaches a point where when they are telling us so repeatedly they want to run the ball and that that's going to be the thrust of their offense that we're going to have to start believing them. I mean, are we at that point now where we say this is probably a a run first or a a heavier run offense than it is passing? I think it's going to stay the same. I just don't think Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore, we could talk about wanting to run the ball, but the best way to help your linemen will be, yeah, let them come off the ball, let them run. When you talk about a young offensive line, it's, you know, Farniak, or excuse me, Biotish, you know, he's got a couple of years, you know, McGovern, couple of years. The rookie is the really the only inexperienced one. Heck, Terrence Steele has played a lot of games for you now, so it's really not an inexperience there. But I think if they run the ball, it's going to be because – the tight ends are better at the point of attack. If they have success, you know, if you get Dalton Schultz, where it looked like some of the drills and stuff that he was better, Ferguson, better, uh, Hendershot, better in some of those regards. I mean, it wasn't perfect for all of them all the time, but better than what they've had. So with, you know, I, I feel like that that's really on Kellen Moore. But you can't get in that mode where you run on first down and it's a gain of two, and then you run again. You know, you can't get into that. We've seen that. You know, you have to be able to have a good mix. And I think in the preseason, there's been some games where Kellen Moore, I was watching it, where I felt like he had some pretty good mix where he, you know, those backs behind a second and third offensive line, second and third backs were really third and fourth backs did a heck of a job running the football. And I think that a lot of it had to do with Kellen Moore and what he was trying to do in order to set up some of that running. Run first all the time, I don't think that's going to happen. But run a little bit more to set up some play-action stuff, uh, absolutely. Zach Martin is Zach Martin, clearly. But I just want to run down the line real quick and get your take on this. Terrence Steele, better run blocker or pass protector? Run. Uh, Tyler Smith, run blocker or pass protector? Run. Uh, Connor McGovern, run blocker or pass protector? I think it's run. Tyler Biotish. Pass. So you think if we've got so many of those guys that are good in the run game. I think Farniak's a better run blocker, believe me. Maybe that's their thought process, though. Maybe they lean into that a little bit, I think. And so just something to consider. Uh, Last clip here before we get to the Twitter mailbag. Jerry Jones uh, was asked about Michael Gallup, who we now know is on the 53, is off of Pup, uh, but gave us something a little bit more uh, focused than that when asked about how soon the expectation is that Michael Gallup could be back. If this were the Super Bowl, Gallup would be lining up and playing. If against Tampa were the Super Bowl, he would be lining up and playing. And so we're going to be uh, cautious, or not cautious, but conservative uh, with him. 
Uh, he won't be out there more than likely against Tampa, but if it were the Super Bowl, he'd be playing. He's that ready. I believe, and I've believed for a while, two games is what he was going to miss. Yeah. So I think he misses Tampa. I think he misses Cincinnati. My guess is about a month from now, Monday Night Football against the Giants, that's his debut. I actually reached out to some people in the organization before we came on air because I was people were talking about him and where he's at physically and all that and what Jerry said. The the medical staff, the training staff, people that work with him are super excited that how far he's come. Britt Brown, uh, Michael, they've done a hell of a job just to get to this point. Jerry used the word conservative. I think they're going to push this thing for the second game. I know you said the third game. I think they're going to try and push this thing for the second game if they can. Uh, but I wouldn't doubt this kid. I wouldn't doubt what Britt Brown's going to be able to do. Now, talking to those guys, they're like, hey, there's still work to do. The fact that they didn't put him on pup to start the season was a huge, huge thing to them. That's a, it was very exciting, but they realized that they're probably, you know, like you said, a good three to four weeks away from fully having a a really, really great grasp on where he is. You're listening to the love of the star podcast. The love of the star is an odyssey podcast. You can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Brian, it is now time for us to turn things over to our dear listeners. and. Fans there on Twitter for the Twitter mailbag. First question from Adam D'Souza, and I we got this from a couple people, and so I wanted to you know uh, put it in here and do a mailbag segment instead of taking up time. We we're talking about the fifty-three. Any big names or any names at all that interest you from cuts? I think that everybody's looking at these offensive linemen mainly, um, and so when we look at some of those names, you see uh, Chuma Idoga, who there was some chatter that. Maybe they were trying to trade for him the other day. Alex Leatherwood, a shocking cut one year after going 17th overall to the Raiders. He gets cut. Uh, and then another one that I think should be of note, Kellen Deesh, the rookie from Arizona State, a guy that they visited to Dallas and, and a guy that I know that they they were considering later on in day three. Uh, so those are just some of the, the offensive tackle names that I think could be in play there. Chuma Yudoga, Alex Leatherwood, and then uh, Kellen Deesh. Uh, you have any thoughts or any opinions on any of those guys? Yeah, I reached out to Gang of Seven, which is I, which is something I always do. And if you follow me on 105.3 The Fan, my Gang of Seven are guys and gals around the league that are personnel guys, uh, personnel gals and guys, general managers, directors of player personnel, pro scouts, stuff like that, people that watch this tape. And you and I were talking this morning Bob, about uh, Dish, about mm-hmm. Kellen Dish. And I had a scout reach out to me and said, I watched him yesterday, and he said he played only about 30 plays in the preseason. He's long and he can bend. 
I agree with that. You watch the Arizona State tape, you can see that. He says he looks like he can pass protect. Very interesting. College makeup doesn't sound good. So then, you know me, college makeup guy, right? I got to ask. Okay. Average, average mentally will space out, has some mental areas, errors. Passion for the game was questioned uh, by his school. Up and down confidence. You know, people can't recommend him, can rub people the wrong way. Uh, you know, people were saying, like, if he got released, they might pass on this guy because of that makeup. So if this is what a team you know, knows about a guy, I'm sure all the other teams know about him as well on that. Okay. Now we shift to uh, Leatherwood, okay? Yep. And I asked what I'm, asked my guys about him. And uh, this is where, uh, again, if you were listening to 105.3 The Fan, the G-Bag Nation, I was talking about this quite a Which bit. you should be. You should yeah. be listening to 105.3 The Fan all the time on the well, Odyssey. Yeah, at 2.40, I always, if you, know, you can, on the Odyssey app, you should be listening because at 2.40, I do a, We talk a ton of Cowboys, by the way. You know, seriously, if you don't listen to 105.3 The Fan, if you're out of state, uh, out of the country, whatever, you can get us on YouTube. You can get us on uh, uh, what's the Twitch. I mean, yep. there's all kinds of things you can get us. And we we talk Cowboys like 80% of the time. Yeah. So, so, but here's the thing about Leatherwood that I got. He goes, I said, Alex Leatherwood bad? He goes, definitely not good. I didn't think he was bad at guard last year as a guard. Just inconsistent with his technique, but you could see the talent and the traits. He was bad at tackle last year and has been terrible at tackle this preseason. So that's kind of what a director of player personnel thought about watching tape of Alex Leatherwood. Now, the Cowboys might be completely different on the guy, completely different on all these players. Sure, but it's it's hard to get excited because every one of my gang of seven, like I like to call them, they haven't given me any, any hope on on these guys. The the one hope they gave me was Jason Peters. Now maybe Jason Peters is a guy that you sign after week one as a backup in case something does go wrong with Tyler Smith. Well, I, I if you want a little bit of a more optimistic take, I guess than on uh, on Alex Leatherwood, I reached out to somebody. And was told, uh, yeah, you don't want to necessarily throw too much at him, but if you give him one position, whether it's guard or tackle, and a consistent voice, a good teacher, he will be a good player. Okay. And so, some some that's 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 good. Hey, you know, it's good to have good, and it's good to have bad too sometimes. But yeah, that's that's where you're that's where you're at with these guys. You know, you 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 get excited when you someone says, oh no, a really good player. You know, man, it's going to cost you a lot. You know, Walker Little that we talked about from Stanford, you yep. know, who, you know, I haven't seen Jacksonville's cuts. I assume he made Jacksonville's made roster. It. Okay, I know for a fact the general manager there really likes the guy. So yeah. if you want to go get Walker Little or any one of these good tackles from somebody, it's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be throw a fifth-round pick like Amari Cooper kind of a thing. It's going to be you're going to have to give us something significant to make that happen. Yeah, I, I I think that they're they're more likely I think to plug somebody off waivers right now than I, I think they would be to go trade somebody. I don't know yeah, if I they agree. want to go capital. Um, sticking to the offensive line, a question from uh, Luca Brazzi uh, on Twitter. 
he says, who would your week one starting offensive line consist of? Not what you think the team will do, but but who you would want out there. For me personally, Brian, I'm going to go now with Tyron Hurt. Give me Tyler Smith at left tackle, Connor McGovern at left guard, Matt Farniak at center, yeah. Zach Burton at right guard, Terrence Steele at right tackle. I, I think you got it right. I do. I I would replace the center. And if, well, let's go ahead practice maybe the whole training camp and you saw him play three games like he played the other day, I would consider playing him at right tackle instead of Steele. But Steele has made a lot of st- made a lot of starts. I need to stop throwing dirt on Steele. But <laughs> to your – I would trade out the center, and I, would, I think you're right about the offensive line. Would you potentially, since you mentioned Jason Peters – would you want to, if you got to choose the offensive line, would you go Peters at left tackle, Tyler Smith at left guard, Farniak at center? I, the gang of seven said Peters, like, don't watch him early from last year. Watch him later, and he got better. So, man, there's, there's a side of me that, that would say, if I he played 16 games last year, yeah. which is kind of rare for him. Uh, right now, I don't know what kind of shape he's in. I I'd like to believe because he's always been kind of a big, you know, heavy, sloppy hey, guy, and he's guy. he's forty years old. But he's also one of those guys that could probably he could probably like come in out of shape and play just fine. So I think I'd I need to see him practice a little bit before I'd make that determination. Question from Nerf Herder: Israel McQuamu makes the fifty-three man roster. Do you expect Mukwamu to play any nickel corner during the regular season? I think so. I don't think it's going to happen often, but they they were putting him out there with first team I, rep times. Yeah, how much? Maybe dime. You know, if you if you yeah. if if you get something, if you determine that Bland, maybe Bland Brown, Diggs, you know, maybe Jordan Lewis, you know, maybe they're kind of thinking other ideas. But I mean, I like Jordan Lewis. Don't get me wrong. But McQuamu with the length and stuff like that, maybe when they go they go six DBs, I could see him getting out there and playing before Nashawn Wright. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and like I said, we saw him get assignments where he was asked to carry CeeDee Lamb, and he did it a couple he, times. He sure yeah. did. Sure did. Absolutely. Next question here from Jake. How do you view Damone Clark's role on this team when he returns? Do you see him pushing to Brill Cox for snaps as linebacker four, or will he just be a depth piece slash no. special? Teams contributor. Yeah, I think they'll watch him. That is a big physical guy. He is yeah. a lot different than Cox. Cox can cover. Cox is an okay tackler. You know, Cox is not the physical player that Clark is. I think the Cowboys, and I'm saying this as a proud LSU alum, and I, I think Jabril Cox is fine. I appreciate what he did. Clark was a kid that for two years played on a bad team. And he was a leader. He was the heart and soul of that defense that really, really struggled at times. But, man, he was a physical beast out there. So, yes, you're going to be very, very happy you have a guy like Clark uh, in this lineup, More, uh, hopefully more sooner than later. Question from Rich Ballard. Josh Gordon just got cut from Kansas City. Do you think the Cowboys should sign him? Being there isn't that much experienced wide receivers in the locker room right now. Also, he'd be cheaper than some of the other free agents out there like OBJ. 
I just don't know that anybody in the NFL feels like they will ever be able to trust Josh Gordon. And it's not just about the marijuana or anything else. It's just about he has a reputation league-wide as being flaky. And I don't think anybody – he's put in the David Irving category, I think, for a lot of people. Um, The talent's always been there, but I just – I don't know that you want to trust or or put any sort of trust in Josh Gordon. No, I don't think so either. And, you know, with them keeping all those wide receivers, they're probably super happy with the guys they got until, until proven otherwise. Question from Sam. How much time as a slot wide receiver do we realistically think Pollard gets this season? Brian, do you think we're getting faked out any? Yes, I do. do. (laughs) I do. I I think there's going to be times where they're going to use him, motion him out, things like that. But to say he's going to play straight slot, it might come on some third down stuff. But if you're asking me, oh, is he going to play 40, 50% of the time, whatever, I, I think. I think there are going to be some special things that they're going to do to try and match him up uh, on people, but playing slot 60% of the time, I don't see that happen. All right. And uh, final question here uh, comes from listener Bobby belt and uh, Brian brought us. Uh, we got the, the sad news this week that Ernie Zampezi, the yeah. Cowboys offensive coordinator, uh, one of the, the more innovative offensive minds, Eric Coriel. Uh, of the modern NFL yeah. uh, passed away at the age of 86. Um, just, and this actually comes from Sean Sharif, I guess, technically Sean wanted to ask me on the air to ask you this question. When we talk about guys like Ernie Zampezi and the impact that they had on the game. Um, and obviously, yeah, coming from that air Coriel system, I think if you talk about the two most, the two biggest godfathers of the modern passing game, it's probably Bill Walsh and Don Coriel. Yeah. Don Coriel talked about, how Ernie Zampezi was the brightest offensive coach he ever worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what kind of impact, when, when when we say that, man, the influence of an Ernie Zampezi or things like that, what were some of the the hallmarks, you think, of, of Ernie Zampezi as an offensive mind that, that have either maintained through today or things that were were built on by, by other coaches into the future? Yeah, I think we're Ernie Zampezi, very unselfish as a coach. And Jerry Jones tells the story, and he told it with you this morning about uh, with him and coming in personnel meetings and things like that. Ernie had no ego. Ernie had a, a, a presence about him where he was always very pleasant. He was very funny. He was easy to get along with. You could see why him and Troy Aikman, Norv Turner, and those guys all hit it off so well. Because Ernie had a, a way about him that he taught the game in a very simplistic way, but it was a way that you knew that if you followed the plan that, that you were going to have success, and they did. They really had success. They had one of the most accurate quarterbacks in NFL history when you look at Troy Aikman, the way he threw the ball. Trust me, competing against him when I was in Green Bay was so, so difficult. You know, and like with Ernie, he was uh, – you know, the, the things that he was, there's things that this still with the West Coast schemes, the Bill Walsh's and the the passing game, the vertical passing games and things like that that we've seen, you know, he's had a hand in all that. You know, we still see some of the route combinations, uh, you know, the way that, you know, the way that quarterbacks are taught. His son, Ken, uh, is a, a coach in the league. You know, he carries that on like his dad. I just remember Ernie being a great teacher. 
And, you know, scheme wise, you know, it just, it seems so simple the way they were doing things, but you couldn't stop them because of how simple it was, but the type of players that were running the routes and throwing the football. And I think that you look at the 90s Super Bowl Cowboys, uh, Ernie Zampese is a guy that had a big, big influence on that. Absolutely. And, uh, you, you know, one of the the notable routes, like, you know, we, we all hear different play calls and, and things like that, like Philly Special is one yeah. out of years. 525F post yeah. is a, a, a Coriel staple. That was something that Ernie Zampese had a big hand in developing. That became a big part of North Turner's offensive scheme. Sure did. Sure did. Uh, and, and, that, and that came from North Turner's time with Ernie Zampese. Ernie Zampese was also a big factor in, in three receiver sets becoming kind of the norm in the NFL. And uh, so definitely a legend of the game. Uh, Somebody that I know a lot of people in Dallas are, are are heartbroken to hear about his passing Uh, a real throwback. I I told you, Hey, if you're smoking cigarettes in the coach's box, you're, you're, (laughs) you're a big time throwback there. There's plenty of videos of him just, Tapping a cigarette on the desk it up, right, yeah. up right in the middle of a play sheet. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Ernie Zampezi, very sad news, uh, passing away at the age of 86. A, a real that legend. a hell of a run, man. That yeah, somebody who has a big impact, not just on the modern NFL, but specifically to Dallas Cowboys history. All right, Brian, that does it for us. Uh, we're going to reconvene again on Friday. Uh, talk a little bit more about where this football team's headed. Hopefully we have some more specifics on some of the procedural moves that they've made related to the roster. Until then, we will talk to you guys later.